TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. The Crisis Next Door, a weekly report on the biggest conflicts around the world with host Jason Brooks. Thanks for joining The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. It's been a tense week in southern Israel and the Gaza Strip. The region has seen the heaviest fighting since 2014 between Palestinian militants and Israeli defense forces with hundreds of Palestinian rockets flung into Israel while Israeli forces struck back through the air. Joining the crisis next door to talk about the potential of the flare-up turning into something worse is CBS military consultant, retired Army Major Mike Lyons. Mike, thanks for joining us here today. Thanks for having me, Jason. A ceasefire was declared after two days of fighting. What are the chances that this one is going to last? Well, it'll likely last for a little longer. This is really now about political calculations at this point. And what Gaza, what's happening there and what the Palestinians are trying to do is disrupt the Israeli political process. Um, you've got them now conducting war hearings, uh, consultations, security forces doing what they can. And this is just uh, uh, using terror tactics in order to upset what's happening inside of Israel and making them uh, make decisions um, that they, they probably don't want to make at this point. Speaking of political moves, Israeli Defense Minister Avi Lieberman resigned over the ceasefire with Hamas, calling it a surrender to terrorism. How big of a blow is this to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu? Hamas leader Sami Abu Zuri called the resignation a political victory for Gaza. And this is one of their objectives um, because it, it creates this internal strife inside of Israel. Now, they'll find somebody to take his place. And Netanyahu is a survivor when it comes to this. And he's been a political leader now for, for a long time, both uh, both uh, in a war footing and then also in a peaceful situation. So I, I think, um, you know, you, they'll find someone to take his place. But this is all, all part of the objective of the Palestine organization in order to get uh, Israel uh, to act and do something that they probably don't want to do. Looking a little more closely at the fighting this week, while the rockets did cause some property damage and killed one man and wounded others, they still don't seem all that accurate. Has that really changed all that much from recent years? No, the technology that they have uh, is not improved. And what Israel uses, an iron dome, in order to protect itself is a little better. But they can overwhelm that system by firing lots of smaller rockets. It's more of a their nuisance fire. Now, in this case, there were some casualties reported. Um, but uh, the technology that they currently have uh, does not uh, necessarily uh, equate to any kind of military victory, and let's say, if it was a battlefield. Now, the Israelis are also watching to see where um, the Palestinians are getting these rockets from. If they're coming from the Iranian government, if they're coming from external sources, they're going to put pressure on those countries to take away their capability to wage war. That's an important element of this whole operation. What's Israel's exposure to Gaza's rocketeers? How much of southern Israel is within reach? Are there fears that the militants are working on rockets with longer range that could strike deeper into Israel? Yeah, high percentages of the Israeli population is within the targeting range. Uh, I'm not sure you'd call that what the military would consider a kill zone because they can't seem to mass these fires that 
that are, again, more of a nuisance, but they do create uh, challenges for uh, the Israeli government. It creates challenges for the citizens who have to take cover uh, to uh, to make sure that they survive. Um, they, that from a deep strike capability, we haven't seen that just yet. Um, and again, that would change the equation. The Israelis also have a tendency of responding uh, two to three, sometimes 10 times more than what uh, they've been attacked to. And in this case, they'll, if they have to move forces inside uh, of the Gaza Strip, they will. Going after, for example, Intel headquarters that are located next to schools, and there's always this chance of having this collateral damage, and that's what uh, Israel, that's what some of the leaders are obviously worried about. Now, Israel obviously outguns the militants, but what limitations does its army face in trying to neutralize them? The Israeli army on the ground, uh, if it goes inside Gaza, has the, the, the challenge that U.S. forces have when they do these kinds of operations, and that's to be both a warfighter and a peacekeeper literally at the flip of a switch. They can turn a corner, and uh, while they're trying to protect civilians in one corner, uh, and the next time they're taking fire from uh, terrorists and organizations that are have, have embedded themselves inside and used the civilians as human shields. And so from a military perspective, it is a challenge not to have the level of collateral damage. And mistakes get made, and that's where then the, the, the what the Palestinians are looking to do is have that happen. The Israelis be called on the carpet for that and causes them to lose you know, the moral high ground with regard to what they're doing. You mentioned the fact that Israel has the fear that Hamas and other groups inside Gaza could get their hands on technology that's even greater than what they have. But there is a blockade in place. Is there much of a chance for any of these arms to make it into Gaza through Egypt or through the Mediterranean? Well, uh, through the Egyptian side, probably more difficult, more, more or less through the Mediterranean. But um, where there's a will, there's a way. And it just comes down to creativity. If um, there, there's potential for tunneling, there's, there's, um, you're looking at places in the world that's uh, very austere, and the Israelis trade off um, military observation, try to use, to use technology uh, to actually put people on, on the ground there in certain locations. So um, it, they'd have to have a lot of things go right. The enemy would have to have um, a pretty uh, airtight operation in order for them to get things through the blockade um, or, or possibly airdropped or whatever other way they could get them in there, um, they'd, they'd have to uh, almost rehearse that situation and then use that weapon system very quickly. Hamas isn't the only group fighting Israel in Gaza. Islamic Jihad is also prominent. How much control does Hamas have over what other militant groups are doing? They probably provide them with support when they can. They likely are ministerial and um, inspirational with what they're doing. Um, those other terrorist organizations, though, they're very loosely jointly combined. And that's one of those, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They, they don't necessarily feel aligned because uh, they want to bring the people to a different level of control over the government. Most, in most cases, the implementation of Sharia law, they want, uh, they're more hardline and radical when it comes to the Islamic message. And so, um, but, but the, they fight a common enemy in what they perceive to be in Israel. Israel is focused on its northern borders, in particular the Golan Heights, with the Syrian civil war continuing to rage. Is Gaza a distraction that could bite Israel later? Well, Israel always is concerned about fighting wars on multiple fronts. And you go back and look in their history, and they seem to always rally when it comes to the Golan Heights, and they have the advantage of geography uh, with the fact that they could put observation posts up high 
and they have now the technology that allows them to look over the horizon. They don't they don't seem to be a threat that would necessarily come from that location as it was back in the 60s and 70s when those uh, six-day wars and the Yom Kippur War took place, uh, when actual tanks rolled through and, and tried to, and the Israelis had to defend uh, those heights back then. Um, but uh, they've always got to be concerned about those locations that what they they perceive to be weak points as they continually trade off um, you know observation posts and men for other places that they have to deploy resources in order to make sure that they can win those battles locally. You're listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks, and we're talking with CBS military consultant, retired Army Major Mike Lyons, about the fighting in Gaza with Israel and the Palestinians. The latest fighting was sparked by a botched Israeli commando operation into Gaza, which resulted in seven Palestinian militants, including a senior Hamas commander, being killed, as well as an Israeli lieutenant colonel. It was Israel's first ground incursion into Gaza in four years. Mike, why would they take a chance? And the Israeli military is known for its high effectiveness. Should it be worried that this operation went south? Well, there's reporting that the Israelis have conducted other known operations inside of Gaza going back from 2015 until late October 2018. I think they continually measure risk versus reward. And in this particular situation, felt uh, the risk was worthwhile. Um, But when things start going south in these operations, the Israelis have a tendency to kind of scorch their earth and they, they um, use the blanket of defending their nation as uh, as any excuse. So um, and while they are still probably one of the world's more predominant um, anti-terrorist and, and commando forces, uh, mistakes are made as soon as you come in contact with the enemy as the enemy has a vote in what goes on there. This flare-up did not occur in a vacuum, obviously. Violence has been simmering since March when thousands of Palestinians started protesting at the fence separating Gaza and Israel, calling for an end to Israel's blockade of the Strip. Over 200 Palestinians have been shot dead, another 24,000 wounded by Israeli sharpshooters at the fence. Palestinians, meanwhile, have burned thousands of acres of Israeli farmland with incendiary kites and explosive balloons sent over from Gaza. Uh, None of this would suggest that peace will be at hand anytime soon. Uh, how are the Israelis and Palestinians to take this going forward? Is this something that will just continue as a back and forth, or is it something that could really truly erupt into something worse than what we've seen in recent years? Well, in order for it to be more disruptive, there'd have to be an external force that would have to come in on the side of the Palestinians that would really tip the balance of favor in theirs when it comes to military exercises. Um, what the Palestinians are doing to their people is of no favors, as they recognize that when they hide behind civilians, the Israelis have been known to not worry about the civilian casualties uh, at times. Um, they'll, they do the best they can. So I, I think that it's going to continue in this manner until you know one side wears the other side out. Now, it's possible that, um, that the smaller side, that the Palestinians could get uh, work through the Israeli political system and the people inside of Israel are tired of seeing this and demand that their government do something different. We just don't know. That's what their tactic seems to be. Um, but uh, with a leader like Netanyahu, he's not going to back down, I don't, I don't think, anytime soon. We've seen many protesters in southern Israel upset about the ceasefire, wanting to have a heavier response to the rocket attacks from Gaza. Do you think that will put pressure on Netanyahu to have a more decisive military action in Gaza? 
Well, the the Israelis have got to decide on virtually what would be a reoccupation at that point. Um, mobilize the military, roll through. I think that they look at the, again the political calculus throughout the Middle East and think that uh, perhaps with Saudi Arabia uh, engaged in a proxy war going on with Iran right now, um, perhaps that might be in the cards in the next uh, 30 to 60 to 90 days. But but it's a it's a calculation that they're going to make as any nation state makes when it goes and it does preemptively uh, rolls its uh, sons and daughters into combat. So we have to see it's a it's a possibility. It would mean a complete um, reoccupation of Gaza and, and likely spur more uh, challenges throughout the region. Well, Gaza has been a mess. The West Bank has been much more stable in recent years. Do you think, though, that the Palestinian Authority which is ruling in the West Bank, faces any possible crisis itself because of its pressure on Hamas in Gaza? Could militants rise up in the West Bank and, and cause all sorts of new problems for Israel? I think that that's possible, um, but Israel does now have uh, pretty secure borders where they've built a fence around, and I think uh, as long as uh, they don't necessarily come inside of the country, you know, Israel's not going to go looking for these other wars. Um, they don't have the same enemies surrounding them as they had you know, 20, 30 years ago, the Egyptians and the Jordanians. Um, the leaky area seems to still be the north and, and, and what's happening in Gaza. If they can come up with a political solution, if there's political leaders that wanted to have peace, that's fine. I just it's, it's probably likely it's not going to happen anytime soon. Not a very promising forecast at all for the future for Gaza and southern Israel. Mike, thank you very much for joining us today on The Crisis Next Door. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. We've been joined by CBS military consultant, retired Army Major Mike Lyons. Thank you for joining us on The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. Till next time. The Crisis Next Door with host Jason Brooks is produced weekly. If you have any thoughts for Jason, email him at tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Again, that's tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.